And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, remember, do not forget to try new things, okay? Just because you're inexperienced doesn't mean you're not qualified. You are qualified and you're amazing. Seven, eight. Nice. Hey, there we go. Oh! Out to top. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. Disregard that title card, it's Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us live, as always, we got Tass Mellis. Well, it's fitting, because I'm going to quote Ronald Acuna Jr. I'd like to take this time to apologize to absolutely nobody who cares about the wrong title card. We've also got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey Hey, yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Last but not least, making the magic happen here, it's JD. Hello. There he is. What was the title card? What did I, what, what it said that? Tuesday. Don't worry about it. I mean, uh, I didn't really need to point it out. Half these people are just really listening to the podcast. They didn't even see it, but let's have some fun <laughs> because there are some joining us live on YouTube and we see you. The stream team is the new dream team. So thank you so much for joining us live here on YouTube. Keep your questions and your comments coming for the next Beach Steppin' podcast. We're going to hit the beach tomorrow for that mailbag only episode. Email your questions in. No dunks at theathletic.com, or you can tweet them in at No Dunks Inc. Fun show here for you today. We got the up down report. Congrats to the Seattle Storm on their WNBA title. I'm sure we'll talk baseball. Tass is already talking Braves, but we start with uh, Game Four of the NBA Finals. Lakers top the Heat 102-96 to take the commanding hmm. 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals. LeBron called it. It is a commanding lead, uh, Lili. We won't get a pivotal game then in this series, will we? <laughs> we may not. We may not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's break this one down. Tass, why don't you get us started? What was your big takeaway from Game Four? Well, it was one of those slugfests. I think we're at the point of the series where both defenses have figured out how to slow down the other team's stars. It, mm-hmm. it, it was one of those gritty games. Both teams didn't get to 50 by halftime in today's NBA, uh, and it ended up being a 102-96 battle where the role players really played a huge role uh, down the stretch, but it was so critical. Every little shot uh, made a difference down the stretch. Uh, the Lakers did such a good job of taking – Jimmy Butler out of it, basically cutting his points down in half, mainly because Anthony Davis was just too big and too long. They found a way to get their best defender on Jimmy Butler a lot of the time. But it was such a low-scoring game that Jimmy Butler had an opportunity with three minutes left to take the lead on a three ball, and it rimmed out. He was wide open uh, in the corner. But again, such a slugfest. Lakers go the other way, and they go on a 7-0 run, all with guys not named LeBron James or Anthony Davis. KCP and Rajon Rondo go on a 7-0 run. And then Anthony Davis seals it after hanging out in the fourth cor- in the corner 
for basically the entire quarter. He comes out top uh, and, and hits a three ball, but Anthony Davis was neutralized for a lot of this game, uh, and LeBron James wasn't his amazing self. This was just one of those really ugly, ugly battles where the heat slowed down Anthony Davis, a guy we said, oh, he's too big, too strong, too smart, too fast, uh, but they were able to slow him down a lot. And uh, the defense picked up for the Lakers. So it's not really a sexy game when we look back at, at game four. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll remember it as a, a, a very monumental game in any way. We'll remember Jimmy Butler's 40 in game three a heck of a lot more. But this is how you win. You play these ugly games. You slow down Jimmy Butler. He needed another guy uh, in Goran Dragic. Tyler, the creator, just wasn't enough of a creator out there. He needed one more dude out there. Uh, and it really shows that that they needed him. But... On the other side, yeah, LeBron was just making enough plays in a, on a, in a weird night where the role players came through, I thought, uh, to help out just enough because the main weapons were, were taken out of it just a bit. Yeah. Go back to what I said after Game 3, after Butler's dominant performance. Remember I went on this little rant like, Butler went right at KCP, and he went right at Danny Green, and right at J.R. Smith, and right at Caruso, and right at Kuzma. He even went at LeBron in the fourth. He then went at Markeith Morris to ice it. One guy I didn't name there, there, Trey, Anthony Davis, and that was the big, big switch up here in game four. He was the primary defender, and they just went under on every single pick. And we are talking way under. Thunder from down under under there, Lily. <laughs> on, on Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I've seen you know, those pictures of Lee posing with exactly. the Thunder from down under, boys. And took away the drive, though. They yeah, took away they the definitely drive. took away the drive because Jimmy's a guy that wants to finish through you. I talked about this on a, their last show. He gets into Markeith Morris. He gets into Danny Green. Yep. He's able to put these guys underneath the basket, then go up and finish or get fouled. He's a little more hesitant attacking Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis can take the bumps from Jimmy, and he's also got the incredible length, height, and athleticism to challenge him still at the rim. Yeah. So an incredible job uh, by the Lakers putting AD on him, saying go underneath every single screen. And, you know, Jimmy might have a runway to attack there, but that's not necessarily his game. He will attack LeBron occasionally. We saw LeBron on him in the fourth quarter as well, but it was just a stroke of genius to put AD out there and honestly, like, to have a player who's going to be your best rim protector and still be able to stick Jimmy Butler out on the perimeter is pretty important. And not to mention, I feel like AD would guard Jimmy for 18 seconds of a possession, then somebody would set a screen for him, and AD would just pick up that guard, follow him to the rim, and challenge at the rim again. It was impressive stuff, and that's why uh, the Lakers certainly think he should have been Defensive Player of the Year. That was uh, that was great by Butler. That was or uh, sorry by Davis. It was just a slugfest kind of a game. That was a 1990s 2000s style of basketball finals game we saw, rather than I don't know the 2020 version we've been seeing so far during the finals. Yeah, the numbers back it up too. I know there's a lot of noise and plus minus and all that when you're out there and who's out there with you, Lee. But with AD in Game Four, Lakers plus 17 in 42 minutes. Without him out on the floor, Lakers minus 11 in six minutes. And we saw Vogel. You know, Dwight got the start. But then that was basically it. We saw him early and then, okay, bye centers. McGee, yeah, you're out of this series. And they went with the more, you know, what works, what is dominant, AD at the five. And then, you know, a Markeef out there, Kuzma, those type of fours, LeBron even playing your other big. But be honestly, we talked after game three. Wow, we thought the Lakers were going to come back to win that one. You know, that looked like, oh, they're sticking around, sticking around. They might steal it in the end. They didn't. Heat held on after Jimmy's 40. I thought the reverse in this one. You know, the Heat never took the lead, but I kept thinking, wow, Hero making some crazy shots. Them just hitting sort of timely threes. They would get down six or seven, then suddenly it was one again. I thought, wow, maybe they steal this one. 
And uh, and the Lakers held on. I mean, it was like the flip of Game Three. But what did you think? Did you think the Heat were actually going to grab grab this one? No, not really. To no. be honest, uh, no. I, I thought a couple of uh, sort of mistakes the Heat kept making was they kept overpassing a few times. I thought guys had shots close to the basket and they sort of made the extra pass. Now there's one at the end there where Crowder hits the three that sort of keeps them, I think, within about a four point game at that point. But they've been doing that now. That's partly to do with the Lakers' defense. You know, the Lakers' yeah. defense was very very good. But I also think that the Heat at times. Guys are close to the basket and they're sort of just making an extra extra pass where they don't need to. So I think that's costing them. And also second chance points and offensive rebounds for the Lakers, I think, really crushed the Heat last night because they had a couple of chances. You know, this was close. This was a one or two possession game at times and the Heat could have kind of put themselves in a stronger position. But they weren't able to secure a rebound or they would turn it over after they grab a rebound. And it just those are sort of things that are backbreakers in, in, a, in a series like this against a team like the Lakers who you got a chance... But if you don't take those chances when they come, you're going to end up on the on the wrong end of the uh, result, and they were last night. And, um, you know, I think that's a thing. Like, the Heat did everything kind of that they needed to do to, to get close to this game, but it's just those tiny little things, those little margins where they just lost out last night, and I think the Lakers took advantage of them. You talk about that KCP3 in transition. That was the dagger for me, where he just got out. He, he had a good game. KCP had oh, a good I know Magic Johnson. Amazing. Magic Johnson, I think, said he was the... Uh, I don't know if he said he was the best player, but it was his best game or something <laughs> like that. But he was. He was very good. And KCP's not a guy who I rate all that highly. I think he's been good for the Lakers in the playoffs and the finals. Overall, I think he's one of those guys you can exploit a little bit. But last night, he was great. He hit the three. He drove inside. His defense was very good. Uh, so, you know, when you get a contribution from a guy like that, an, an, an important, influential comp- contribution, it just helps out when LeBron, I mean, it's funny, LeBron, you look at his game, he had a good statistical game, but it didn't feel like he had all that, uh, you know, he was into his groove all that time. He hit those threes, you know, that was kind of like LeBron saying, all right, I'm taking over from now on, but he just seemed <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, then be... he also took a couple that were like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they sort of caught up there. But 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 the star for me, um, Anthony Davis, to me, played like Akeem Olajuwon there with those uh, blocks. I thought... He got a couple of times, I think it was uh, a Tyler Hero beat him and he kind of recovered and blocked that. And then on that last one, Jimmy Butler, he blocked him as well there. And, and he just gets there even when at times you're like, okay, the guy's got a lane here to the basket, but he gets up and makes the clean block. There's no no one you can, you know, one of those you go, oh, he might have fouled him. He might have got away with something. It's just clean defense. And uh, and that to me was, was a huge difference as well. So, yeah, I, I was watching this. I mean, I was hoping we would have a 2-2 series after this because I want to have a close series. But uh, it just felt last night that the, that the Heat didn't quite have that same, um, I don't know, energy, I guess, that they had in game three. And uh, and the Lakers took advantage. So, uh, you know, that's that's clinical, really, the ending there for the Lakers because the Heat had a chance, but the Lakers are the ones who finished it off. Yeah, Anthony Davis it was really the difference on the defensive end uh, just because of the way he, he took care of Jimmy Butler. He took Jimmy Butler out of his flow big time. Uh, and so I guess that's a, a bit of a reason why on the offensive end, he was literally a corner shooter. I mean, they made him Danny Green in the fourth quarter, but he was probably exhausted because he had to cover for 20 seconds a possession uh, on the perimeter. Uh, he was really just hanging out there and he, he didn't score a ton uh, in the fourth. They didn't go to you know the biggest, most uh, talented dude in the post at all in the fourth quarter. They were having trouble getting him the ball throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, and they, they just really struggled. And, and I wanted to see him fight a little bit more, demanded in the post, have some duck-ins, that kind of thing. Uh, but in the end, it is crazy how it worked out, and he just stepped out on the three-point line uh, and banged home that final three that 
sealed that a 10 0 run there while the Heat couldn't score on the other end. And it will be one of those picturesque moments him and LeBron yelling at each other after he hits that three. That, that'll, you know, that's going to be framed somewhere in one of those dudes' houses uh, <laughs> if they end up winning this thing, which it sure feels like they're going to do. Uh, they just, they absolutely just did. Enough. It was just such a weird, weird game to see LeBron and AD only shoot the ball 16 times each uh, and Jimmy Butler's shots cut in half. It was just really gritty defense that that got both teams there to the end. And uh, again, the Lakers role players just made enough plays. Rondo, uh, his first stint was ugly. I thought this was going to be a terrible Rondo game, uh, but he came out and got a lot of offensive rebounds uh, in, in key times there. Uh, and and kind of turned the tides there along with uh, KCP just just doing enough uh, to to outgrit the gritty team in the Miami Heat and just an ultimate Rondo rope a dope as well I thought was incredible the fact that he didn't score until he absolutely needed to score and suddenly Duncan Robinson gets switched on him everybody's thinking he's gonna pass it just goes yeah. straight to the rim and gets a layup and like you mentioned Tassie had a few offensive rebounds little tip outs that just extended possessions for the Lakers. They got some clutch plays from their role players. Their others showed up, and that's something that always gets brought up with regards to the Lakers. If their role players are able to play well, they're really tough to beat because you're going to get a solid effort from LeBron and AD most of the nights. Like LeBron, like we were saying, not an incredible game, but he still had 20 points in the second half, and I thought he was just important being inside, playing almost like a big guy against the Heat there, you know, getting some offensive rebounds himself boxing out you saw lebron boxing out underneath the basket <laughs> yeah it was pretty impressive was stuff weird. to just um you know just wearing on the heat they played a little bit more physically uh which was not the case in game three that was certainly the heat hitting first last night the lakers were 100 percent ready and they toughed it out there in the fourth quarter well lebron had to give that type of energy after he texted his team before the game this is the most important game of my career <laughs> of this finals. Let's one, get going. one of them. He kind of had one of them. Said sure. one of them. Yeah, sure. uh, it's like us picking finals picks. He's he, he was hedging a little yeah, bit there. Yeah, right, one right. of my most important. <laughs> well, I'm saying if you're going to send that text, if I'm going to text Tass at nine in the morning here before a show, hey, man, this is one of the most important podcasts of my life, <laughs> then I better bring it. I better notice the date card is wrong, right? I got to be on top of it. I got to give 110% like I'm Wesley Two Scoops Barry out there. So he, he you know, he did back. Up. But that's why I said, Lee, that's why I did feel like the Heat might steal it. Because what you guys are all going over, you know, the others, and again, I'd like to get into KCP a little bit more because I know he was one of your guys to watch in this series, uh, Tass. But the Lakers only scored 34 points in the paint. That's not a lot for them at all. They only had seven fast break points. Now, now some of those were timely. That KCP corner three was a huge one. LeBron and AD, as we talked about, not amazing games. Second half, much, much better than the first half. But LeBron was sloppy early on again. You had Bam coming back. I mean, there. Like, I look at a lot of that and I go, well, that's a game the Heat had to win uh, and nearly did because it was that close. And I thought they were going to pull it out in the end, especially, again, hitting some crazy shots. Crazy, crazy shots. But you're right. Those role players for the Lakers stepped up hugely. Hmm. I mean, KCP was awesome. He was. was phenomenal. And here's what, one more thing I want to say about him. And I'll open it up to you there. The 15 points, the corner three is great. The assists, amazing. I wrote in my notes, the Lakers' second defensive possession of the game. Go back and watch that one. KCP, I, did, I don't know what that guy chugged. He had some oxygen water or something <laughs> like that or gummy berry juice. I don't know what. He was all over the floor, all over Duncan Robinson specifically. His effort was next level. He's like pointing out, he's running all over the place, just like, like a madman. And that one ended in a, in a heat shot clock violation. I thought he really helped set the tone. He had eight points 
very quickly in this game, and then big buckets late. So I just thought, again, Tass, you pointed him out early in this as your key to the series, or your next factor, I guess, is how you worded it. He was fantastic. I thought he was like, I actually think he was easily the third best player for the Lakers last night. Uh, and uh, this is what the Lakers are doing. It's like, well, one night it might be Morris, and one night it might be Rondo, and one might maybe Kuzma here or there. Like it's, they're just getting this by committee sort of role player help out. Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think he uh, that's what he's out there for, though. He's kind of a 3 and D guy for them, and at times he gets explo- exposed. And I think he's seeing, like, Robinson and Hero. He knows those guys can light it up, so he wants to get into their face as much as he can uh, because Danny Green kind of can't do that anymore. Danny Green looks sometimes very, very old and slow out there, and I think that's where the Heat need to try to exploit him a little bit more. But KCP, he works hard. He gets around those screens and he's always, always in the face of the guys. And even Robinson hit a couple of threes last night that were really, really tough shots. Right. That he just, that he just, you know, that's good offense beats good defense. The old saying there. But KCP was right there. And uh, you know, like I say, I think he. It took him a while, a while to really find his spot on this team. But now he understands exactly what it is. And it's like, go out there, work hard on defense. LeBron's going to trust you. He's going to make want you to hit those threes. And then when you get a chance, if you've got a mismatch on the defensive end. Take, take on one of those guys, you know, because Robinson and Hero are smaller guys. They're not great defenders. So if you can, and one of those guys match up on you and the lane's open, take it inside and score. And uh, again, you know, f- only 15 points, which is not a whole lot and only five rebounds, but we just know his impact was much, much greater than that because of the way he worked for his team and how hard he was, uh, you know, trying to stop his direct opponents from just getting good looks off because everyone has seen Hero and Robinson at some point hit six or seven threes in a game in the playoffs. So they're both capable and uh, KCP just didn't want it to be on his watch last night. Yeah, I think it just shows how important role definition is on, on an NBA team. And a guy in Kyle Kuzma, uh, who, you know, the, the range of, of um, attitudes towards him or, or perspective, opinions on him, I guess is was what I should say, is uh, the guy just shoots too much. He thinks he's a superstar, too. Uh, he could be a really effective role player on this team. He knows his role. Uh, even if he's got a flashy Instagram account, his words <laughs> after the game, uh, I think, just just show what this team is all about. He said, we don't have a third best player. That's not how we're built. <laughs> and KCP is getting all the credit, and, and, and he was really, really good in this game. But it all added up to a win when you look at all the role players and, and what they did. Because mm-hmm. coming into the series, we said, yeah, the Lakers definitely have the best two players in this series. But three through nine, you could say the Heat have the better players, which is uh, a little bonkers to say. And I don't know if the Lakers took that to heart. But look at what they did. KCP had 15. Kuzma had nine in 19 minutes. Caruso had seven points. Markeith Morris had nine points off the bench. They all contributed what they could, as well as Danny Green. I always mm-hmm. skip him because I figure it's going to be an offer. But he did contribute <laughs> 10 points in this game. Yeah. And so they, they, it all adds up uh, to... Hey, LeBron sends that text and everybody falls in line. They knew what they were coming into the season. It's just, uh, it, it's so much about, you know, who they are, uh, what they started this season as and what a team, a championship team is all about. Even Anthony Davis said, we got that text from our leader and maybe he's already writing his MVP finals narrative. Maybe he is. Maybe he knows what the heck he's doing here uh, with uh, mentioning that text. But inside that locker room, they know who the hell they are. And, uh, and, and it showed. And that's why uh, the Miami Heat are definitely a worthy, worthy adversary because they sort of mirror that. They all know who they are on that team. They all contribute. 
uh, it is really unfortunate about the Dragic part um, that we didn't see them full throttle against this Lakers team. And, and I know it already sounds like I'm saying goodbye to the Miami Heat, but man, uh, it just feels like this Lakers team and LeBron, who's never, ever, ever lost in a finals game when he has a, a chance to uh, to close it out. He's 3-0 to this point. I think yeah, it sure feels like they're going to do it again uh, one more time. About what the only it? thing that KCP missed on last night was his halftime interview. I thought that was hilarious. He kind of just lost track of the cliches he was trying to spew <laughs> during his second question from Rachel Nichols. He's just like, uh, yeah, good, good plays. We did, we did good plays and good defense. Uh, thanks, Rachel. <laughs> and they just took off, but then he showed up again in the second half. You got to make the shots. But like you're saying, Taz, missing Dragic, I think, is we're seeing exactly what he brings to the Miami Heat. Not only is he going to be ready to shoot a off the dribble three-pointer. He's another guy who can just take the load off of Jimmy Butler for a little bit when Butler's not able to attack like he likes. And it moves everybody on down the list of uh, shot takers as well. Like Tyler Hero, he's doing his best. He's having some good games, but he's not having superstar games because he's not a superstar yet. He's a little overtaxed to be a rookie out there being the secondary playmaker in a finals game. I mean... He's got the confidence to try and do it. He's got the floaters to try and do it. Oh, but my God. That you would still like to see an all-star. Oh, the, the one was crazy. I mean, when he made the floater over at AD, that was hilarious. That was just funny to see somebody shoot the ball that high. And then he made a three-pointer that was almost the exact same height on that shot. Good stuff. But uh, they need Dragic. You saw him out there before the game basically trying to gut it through with a torn-up foot. Doesn't look good, but he would certainly help. It would be nice to see somebody besides Kendrick Nunn out there. Oh, oh, yeah. Ooh, Kendrick Nunn. Ooh. He's bad. He's bad. No, he no, wouldn't no. be playing if Dragic was around. No, but no, uh, he would. He wouldn't at all. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Bam Lee? Uh, obviously returning in this game from the neck shoulder. Didn't play in a neck brace. That was disappointing. But uh, you know he contributed. But we were worried. I know Tass. We were tweeting about it. Like, ugh, could it actually sort of hurt the Heat offensively because with Kelly and the stretching and all that opening up more room? I'm not sure that was the case. You can tell me if I'm no. wrong, but what do you think firstly of Bam and then we'll go to Tassar? Oh, I thought he was fine. I thought he was good. I mean, he didn't have a, a hugely dominant performance, but I no. thought he was moving out there okay. He wasn't afraid of uh, physical contact. So, uh, you know, he, he was trying to give the Heat everything he had. I don't think he's 100% no. by any means. And there was a time where he was sitting on the sidelines there and they looked like they were really doing some work there on his, uh, his sort of shoulder arm area. So, you know, I think it's one of those situations, if it wasn't the playoffs, uh, and the finals, he probably doesn't play this game, but he went out there and tried to do everything he could. He's physical, he's aggressive. The one thing he needs to work on is he, he, he does pick up some silly fouls, and that costs his team a little bit, um, That's but that's something that will come with time for him. But overall, I mean, yeah, I think he gave them a boost. I mean, he, he, he wasn't bad for them by any means. I mean, they need him out there, and he's, he's a confident guy, and when he drives, it's crazy how sometimes you give the ball to him in the backcourt, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to drive it from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes inside, and and, and again, he's, he's just he knows that the contact is coming, and he never tries to shy away from it. So, you know, he, he was great. If he, if he whatever he gave them last night was going to be um, a bonus, really, because he hadn't played in the last two games. But uh, I thought he was great, and hopefully, he's he's feeling great today, and he'll uh, have an extra day to get ready for Game Five, and he can he can he can keep going because he's uh, so important to their success. And uh, you just see out there, I mean, Dwight Howard, I don't think he played at all in the second half. I think Marquise Morris uh, started because. You know, Bam. I thought I just thought Bam was very good, but um, you know, not the same sort of level that he was obviously against the Celtics, where he could really beat up the guys inside. Yeah, I thought Bam was really, really good. He surprised me. Uh, the way he bounced back from foul trouble early in this game, uh, something that happened to him in Game One, uh, and he comes out misses Game Two and Game Three, and, and to come out and to be yeah point guard Bam for a couple of possessions to be able to take it to the hole uh, to be. 
you know, add 15 points, I think, on six of eight shooting, I think is everything that you could have expected, Bam, from the offensive end. Uh, I, I just wondered coming in, was he going to play in the fourth quarter? Because so much is on Jimmy Butler's shoulders uh, with Goran Dragic out to be able to create. And I thought Kelly Olenek in game three just did his job of taking Anthony Davis away from the hoop. And so it was Jimmy and his defender. Uh, but they found a way to get Anthony Davis around Jimmy Butler anyways, even with uh, you know Bam out there. It was just Anthony Davis was, was finding a way. And they took Jimmy Butler out of his flow for the first you know, three, uh, I'm sorry, after after Butler, you know, had a good first quarter, then Anthony Davis and LeBron, you got to give him some kudos too. Mm-hmm. took Jimmy Butler out of his flow and, and Bam did close out the game. Uh, and and uh, it's 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 our job here in the media to overreact. So after this game, we're all saying, you know, we all we all back the, the Lakers and they did a great job and all that. Uh, but it, it, it is about writing the story when the ball is in the air. So when Jimmy Butler missed that three-point shot with three minutes left and they could have taken the lead and the Lakers go on a fast break and KCP hits that one in the corner and they go up four points and, and things are are swinging in the Lakers' direction, this could have easily, easily been a heat win. And we would have been talking, I think, about LeBron's you know logo-ish shots that he was clanking a yeah, lot of the time yeah. uh, and Rondo saving his butt with a with a huge offensive rebound on one of those. Uh, it really came down to the end. Uh, this was uh, this was a friggin' battle. It was a friggin' battle. It was it's just it was just such a weird, a uh, weird game. And I think um, you know we haven't seen Anthony Davis uh, the, the the dominant Anthony Davis since Game Two. Uh, I think LeBron has taken the reins of the Finals MVP. I think it's his to lose sure. right now. I was going to ask you that. Um, first up, 3-1 final situation. Series usually ends in five games. Over 50% of the time it has, at least, in the finals. Six games, 40% of the time, you know, rarely going to seven. So if it feels like we're thinking this one's over, it probably because it is in five or six. Most likely, though, we've seen some 3-1 comebacks, of course, here in the bubble. But, Trey, you were agreeing there with Tass when he was saying it. It's tight. I mean... 80s numbers are pretty damn impressive <laughs> still, despite, yeah, Tass is right. Since game two, when they said, okay, the zone's not working against him. He's killing us. Uh, let's try and front him a little bit more. Let's throw some bodies at him. He has slowed down. But Anthony Davis is averaging in the finals 26 points per game, over nine boards, three assists, a steal, nearly two blocks per game. And he's shooting 60% from the floor, 54.5% from three, and then he hasn't missed a free throw, Lee. So those are good numbers. LeBron, of course, has his LeBron-like numbers, 28, 11, and 9. But, Trey, you think right now, I guess, it, you know, TBD in Game 5, but you would have LeBron as Finals MVP? Oh, 100%. He's leading the Lakers in points, rebounds, and assists. So I think that, that that's helps. pretty much a lock. He's also outscored Anthony Davis in two of the Lakers' three wins, and Anthony Davis had a pretty poor game when Miami pulled it off. I think LeBron is going to win this one, but... uh. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, AD has hit a couple of huge shots in this series, which uh, will stick out more so maybe than the entirety of LeBron's play hmm. because, you know, LeBron, you know, maybe you will note the things you might remember are Anthony Davis hitting a huge clutch three-pointer and LeBron having a bad first half, even though LeBron still went, you know, seven for seven from the line in the same fourth quarter that Anthony Davis hit a three. But I think it's going to be LeBron. Uh, this is one of the most challenging things he's ever had to do, and he's overcoming here. <laughs> I think ahead, I Lee. think LeBron James is uh, sneaky happy that Anthony Davis had a bad game three and the Lakers uh, lost that game because LeBron still had a good game. So he kind of patted his numbers, and when it's all said and done, 
LeBron's numbers are going to be better than AD's. And uh, and also, I, I know, I think there's five or seven uh, media members vote after the tantrum LeBron threw after not winning MVP. Does anyone really want to face LeBron and say, sorry, you missed out on finals MVP too? So uh, I, I think it's uh, it's sort of falling into his favor right now that he will win the finals MVP and everyone will, everyone will be happy. LeBron will finally get the trophy and the finals MVP and be happy. But Davis, it feels like, you know, if he goes out there and just has a monster performance, if he really, really wants to, he could really muddy the waters. But uh, I think this is LeBron's MVP. Yeah, here's why I agree with you, because I could see AD having a monster game. Like, that's not you know out of the realm of possibility. Why not a 40 and 20 from this guy? You know, he could do it. He's that good. The problem is, I think you need to pair that with a bad game five from LeBron. Mm. But there really isn't such a thing as bad LeBron's <laughs> games right. because even his bad games, as we sort of just said, was this even really that great a LeBron game? And it's still like hilariously, you know, fills the box score, has an impact on the game. So, you know, AD to win this thing, to steal this finals MVP, if it were to end in five, it really has to be like him going for the 40 and LeBron what? 15, <laughs> you know, like eight boards? Like, yeah. I mean, it's so far-fetched. Uh, I think the... Uh, like you said, the small number of people that vote on this thing, if it is seven, I believe it is, seven, nine or something like that, yeah. I, um, I'll i be shocked if LeBron doesn't get his uh, third finals MVP with a third franchise. But I just want to see who Hubie, Hubie's going to vote for this year. Probably <laughs> KCP. Think Hubie has a vote still? He's not there. Uh, yeah, probably I wonder not. if it's I, only people there. Yeah, yeah I, that's what I'm guessing. But Yeah, okay. Well, Tass, hopefully you... somebody votes for Jimmy Butler. Like, hopefully Ooh. one vote goes to Jimmy Butler, and then five to LeBron, and five to AD. We got a tie. Oh, a tie. Is it 11? Mm. Do you know for sure is 11 people? Uh, it has been in the past. Yeah. Will it still be 11? Who knows? They switch it up. Okay, so we all sound like we would be taking... If you were a betting man right now, Tass, you're putting it on LeBron. Final yeah, eight. I think the only way he loses it... Uh, is it's a similar situation to when Andre Iguodala stole it from him. And it's about defense. Uh, in, in 2015, when Andre Iguodala stole the, the MVP from Stephen Curry, I think we could, we could, if people want to give Anthony Davis all the credit for stopping Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. maybe a defensive player steals it from LeBron. I don't think it's going to be about offense because, like you guys are saying, LeBron plays point guard on this team. His counting stats tick up no matter what, no right. matter how bad his shooting percentage is. But there's a chance, I guess, if you think AD did a great job on Jimmy Butler, you give him the the vote uh, if he does that in Game 5. But I, I find that highly, highly unlikely. And uh, a big part of this, I think, is recency bias. Uh, in this climate, can you remember last week? Can you remember games one and game two when Anthony Davis was an absolute monster? I find it hard to remember. Uh, so I, I think just the fact that LeBron's turning it on here in three and four, even though he wasn't yeah, phenomenal, uh, AD's, AD's impact on the offensive end has lessened. He hasn't been that same guy as he was in games one and games two. Uh, and so yeah, LeBron's story is it's perfectly written here. To, to take it, just to have a great game five or great game six and, and take this thing home. He's sending texts. It's, I mean, it's, I can see the article now, right? Tim Reynolds is writing that article right now. It's, 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 it's going to come together. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, do you think this ends in, on Friday night, uh, Trey? I mean, is this over in five or can the Heat, you know, scrap this out and give us another game? I still got faith in Jimmy to pull out one more game, and I'd like to see the Heat have a really good shooting game. They haven't had a great shooting game in the finals yet. They, you know, they've topped out at 12 makes from three. This is a team that can make 17 to 20 yeah. easily. That's a lot easier, no doubt, when Dragic is playing as well, hitting some off-the-dribble ones and facilitating the drive-and-kick game. But there is another good shooting game from the Heat out there. 
Uh, you just gotta hope it happens in this next game. But, you know, I mean, the odds are on the Lakers. I'm just give, having faith in uh, Jimmy sure. and the Heat. Sure. And if anybody needs the extra rest, you said it there, Lee, right now, it would be the Heat. They mm-hmm. need Bam to get a little more healthy. Jimmy, who's got to be exhausted. Not that all these guys aren't, because they're all playing a lot of games over a fairly short amount of time, especially in the finals. But they don't play game uh, five here till Friday night. I thought the gap between games three and four felt like eight days. Yeah. Now, I'm going to blame that on Trump mainly because, <laughs> God damn it, so much happens in like two days of time here in this world. But I just thought the gap felt so long to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now this one's going to feel a little extra long, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and listen, while the series is still alive, I'm just going to say I think the Heat can do it, you know, because, look, it's been it's been close. Like, they haven't been crushed uh, at all. Uh, they're, they're, it's come down to a couple of little plays. If they go their way, they, they can turn yeah. it around. So, uh I believe that the Heat can extend this, and uh, and you know they're going to give it everything they've got. Eric Spolter, they, 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 that, that team, they don't quit. They're never going to stop trying anything. And uh, Kelly Olynyk's got to just calm down a little bit on those threes last night. I thought one of them was, uh, he thought oh, he was Ray yeah, Allen out that, there. Yeah, or he's fading at the top. Oh, my God. He, and and by, the, like, by the way, as well, you're talking about Tyler Hero hit a couple of those rainbows. What about the lefty layup early on on Anthony Davis, as if Anthony Davis is just nobody? That was like so him. pretty. He's got some <laughs> pretty tricks in his bag, for sure. Oh, yeah. What so, did you uh, think about LeBron, though? Bulldozing over Tyler uh, yeah, Hero. Like, you know, him like, flopping a little bit. But, uh, oh, yeah, but I mean, LeBron looks just like a gigantic man next to a tiny little kid out there. And Tyler Hero, to be fair, didn't sort of shy away from the contact. But, uh, oh, my God. He did? Just, he went, fl- he flied he, away from yeah, the contact. He barely got touched and he was in, like, but he, but he, uh, You know, look, look. I thought Caruso flopped more than uh, Tyler Hero did later in the game. When Mark Jackson, was it, or Van Gaal? I can't remember. One of them just said, that's a flop. And it, and it blatantly was. I mean, Tyler Hero kind of knew he was going to get killed. And he's like, well, all right, I'll take my medicine here. But he gets up and keeps going. So, uh, you know, respect him for that. But Jeff yeah. Van Gundy was ridiculous. First of all, with the Tyler Hero thing, he's like, we have almost eradicated flopping oh, yeah. from the game. Yeah. I don't think so, no. Jeff. Uh, but also, an incredible line from Mark Jackson. Oh, uh, don't say it. Don't with say the it. Tyler Hero <laughs> highlight package. Yeah. This just in. Yeah. A hero is more than a sandwich. Tyler. <laughs> Getting it done. It's like on. You couldn't make up something as funny as that for a Mark Jackson joke. It's not dissimilar to the big baby all grown up. You remember this classic YouTube video of a guy just freestyle Mark Jackson uh, tossing for, I don't know, a minute and a half, the longest throw of all time. But what a line from that guy. A yeah. hero is more than a sandwich. Well, that, what does that I can't know. I mean, he says this just in too. Yeah, that is just the, in. Like that's why the big baby Davis, you know, Mark Jackson clip. That's hilarious because it feels like he's definitely riffing on that one, and he just keeps going and going. I don't think he, that's really Mark Jackson though, right? That's a guy doing. Oh, somebody Mark doing a Mark Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's yeah. Mark Jackson himself must have dropped a big baby all grown probably, up. Oh, probably okay yeah now you're right i forgot that was a fake but this one it's just like he's written this line and he's so excited to use it and then puts the this just in <laughs> this uh, and, just lee's, in. and lee's mad confused well you're shaking your head lee. Well, I don't, what does it mean <laughs> <laughs> i don't because that's the thing when it happened last night i'm looking on twitter i'm like no, everyone's making fun of it but no one's saying oh this this is what it's kind of like a metaphor for or an analogy <laughs> like what, what's it, the hell's that? i've never heard that He's more than just a sandwich. Like, well, there's a hero sandwich. Yeah. That's ah. like another word for a sub sandwich. Yeah, ah, yeah. Right. But nobody yeah, yeah. uses it. Nobody no, still yeah. says a hero sandwich. Never been said. Yeah, I mean, listen. He, he was going with uh, the classic uh, more than hero. Or no, 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 no. Earlier in the series, 
Tyler Hero highlight, he'd go on, he would say, classic hero ball. That's that's what okay. he would say going into commercial. Now yeah, now sure. he's throwing spaghetti at the wall. I'm not <laughs> throwing sandwiches at the wall. He's throwing a <laughs> hero sandwich stick. at the wall. I'm not I'm not super mad at it. I it, I mean it wasn't good. It wasn't. Uh, good. It sounds like a task tweet for sure. But I don't know about on no the way. No way. <laughs> you can right. be my hero sandwich. Um, you can eat away the pain. Oh yeah. Anything to add to Game Four or this NBA Finals? From either of you guys, <laughs> anything. It's over, by the way. On, it's over on Friday night. I, I will, I will plant my flag in that this one ends on Friday because LeBron's going to send another text now. Now this is the most important game. <laughs> Look, I don't blame LeBron for sending texts and laying the groundwork for his narrative because every former player who talks about LeBron is just telling how easy he has it and how that this would be so easy for them. So, you know, LeBron's got to advocate for himself, kind of like how we're always telling people we're the greatest podcast of all time. <laughs> that one's true, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's going to keep repeating it and say it yeah, out loud. He's people say start it. Going this is up. the most Maybe important podcast we've ever done. 100%. Um, it's a must podcast. Got to go out there and really pod hard. Yeah. He's uh, he's showing signs of sort of being an angry old man at times though with LeBron out there as well last night. Like a couple of times he doesn't get the foul, he loses it. And then there was the one which was a funny challenge by Frank Vogel. It actually was successful where I think they called the, the ball off LeBron, it went out, and it clearly didn't touch him. And he went mad at the referee. I didn't touch it! It's he like, was doing a lot of that last yeah. night, too. Ian LeBron and, was upset with a couple of his guys, too, on well, like defensive rotations. Yeah. There was a Kuzma one where he Kuzma was livid, one. and then Kuzma scored, I think, right on the other end. Yeah, uh, And then uh, Jay Crowder as well, who, who gave him a good playoff out. Wasn't, I don't think there was anything nasty about it, but LeBron slapping the ground. And <laughs> oh, Crowder got him, like, three times. Like, yeah, but I don't think... Like, he, got him, I mean, he was physical with them yeah. like you know whatever. exactly finals finals yeah. fouls I, I didn't see anything i don't think they reviewed any of them for any hostile acts or anything like that but uh lebron slapping the ground i thought <laughs> uh, it's just a guy who's just been in the gym for way too long and he wants to get the win he wants to get out of there Let's so the uh, hell out of there yeah. okay well the lakers are now 56 and 0 this season when leading going into the fourth quarter so maybe that's why you didn't think the lakers were gonna relinquish the lead there lily they haven't all year long i think they'd be the only team in nba history if they could uh you know pull it off one more time or even if they don't i guess i guess they could be trailing head into the fourth and still win i don't think a team has done it the entire entire year that's pretty incredible in today's nba with three-point shooting just changing games uh, you know in the blink of an eye that is wild that's a wild wild stat somehow they pull it out crazy stuff let's, let's uh, jump to this quick comment before sure. we move on here greg sanat wrote hey a hero is what some people call a sandwich, a la a hoagie or a sub. Hero comes from, from the Greek word gyro. Right. Qtas with some Greek fun fact or Lee with an eight-minute story about the Athens Olympics. <laughs> uh, yeah, hero. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it is a play on hero. That that is true. Uh, that's how you say gyro in, in Greek. It's actually hero, so you rhyme it with hero. Now let's get to an eight-minute story about the 2004 <laughs> Athens Olympics. Well, what's your favorite? Did you have thing? a euro? Did you have a euro when you're right. in Athens? Probably. Right. Funny, funny talking about food. I was actually extremely disappointed with the food in Athens for the Olympics because oh, Greek oh, wow. food is Greek food is fantastic Delicious. Yeah. Uh, it is some of the best food you can possibly have that's kind of where i first started like i would say greek food is some of the best food you can have in greece <laughs> it's up there it's up there uh the swordfish in greece is great actually by the way i'm not a big swordfish guy except for in greece it's great with the mythos um but uh <laughs> honestly the, the, the food during the uh, athens olympics they had just those um spinach and like feta 
what are they called? Size. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like and that was all they had. Was, day, oh, yeah. yeah, it was just like the, the catering. I don't know what happened. Something went wrong with the catering. Everywhere we oh, went. It's like summer league catering for us, was it? What? Summer league catering for us <laughs> yeah. in Vegas. Uh, at least we had the hot bobbies. Uh, yeah, that wasn't catering. That was us ordering. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great, uh, great fun Olympics. Uh, great city, but... Uh, <laughs> great swordfish. Uh, great so swordfish. what, you weren't eating at restaurants? You weren't eating at... Like, like when you're on, when you're at the events, you know, in the arenas and oh, yeah, that's what you're and that. okay. it's, it was just the same thing. It was just these, the spinach and cheese, uh, what are they called something, aren't they? They're called, uh, Tiropita or, uh, Tiropita or the cheese ones. Yeah. Spanakopita. Spanakopita, I think it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, dolmares. I had a lot of dolmares. Oh, those are great. Oh, yeah. They're great. They're great. But, uh, that's they ate, ethnic stuff, man. They that's ate, an, those are grape uh, leaves plucked from trees. Day eight I mean, of uh, Dolmades, though, you're just kind of like, all right, I need something else here. I need anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, great, great Olympics. <laughs> I always like to see. I always like to see how Lee's gonna wrap up like a weird story. Well, listen, I had the race of the century there with uh, Ian Thorpe and um, Michael Phelps and uh, Peter Van den Hoogen Band. Anya Thorpe, <laughs> excuse me. Oh yeah, I know Peter Van den Hoogen Band. Check that out. The two hundred meter freestyle men's and oh man, Ian Thorpe wins it by a fingernail. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great race, really good race. All right, let's take a break. Uh, hear from our sponsors. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. How expensive were those tickets in Greece, Lee? So uh, you had to buy them, uh, you had to bid for them in advance. Oh, one of those. Okay. Yeah, so I ended up having to like uh, lay out about a thousand pounds, I think, uh, in total, because you had to, you know, things like the wow. swimming. You know what the hardest one was to get to was the uh, equestrian. Very, very what? hard to get tickets for the equestrian. I would, Why, oh, if you want to watch horses at yeah, all. Yeah, if you had an equestrian ticket for me and you offered it up to me, I would take that ticket from your hand and I would rip it in half. And say you would I'm miss out. <laughs> you would miss out. The equestrian is one of those things in the Olympics where you watch the coordination between the jockey and the horse. And it's incredible when they do that little uh, front foot, back foot trotting and all that. <laughs> dressage? You're talking to me about dressage right now? <laughs> I'm, talk- I'm talking to you about dressage, yeah. Uh, hey, why I'm- do they give the medal to the rider? <laughs> Great question. Good point. It's it's a team. It's a team medal, though. Really, I mean, that'd be awesome if they were on the podium. Yeah, they're all like falling off and clanking their hooves all around. <laughs> a horse can walk up a podium, but they cannot walk down a podium. That's the problem. And where are you going to find a ribbon that big from? Mm. <laughs> hey, horse neck, where are you going to get a ribbon that big? We got dick noses and horse necks up here on this. Show. But I got uh, yeah. So I tried to get tickets to the uh, 200 meters freestyle, but it was impossible because there's only there's only a couple of thousand people in that outdoor pool area as well. So the only tickets to swimming I could get was the 1500 meter heats. 
the most boring event you could possibly go to because you go from heat to the final, right? Whoever just qualifies just goes through. I think they have two heats. Fifteen. It takes them about half an hour. You have no idea where people are. It's just like up and back and up and yeah. back and up. And you're just like, this is the most ridiculous sport. Like, this is a <laughs> waste of like time. Sounds like a story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool story, <laughs> bro. <laughs> but it was like, I've got to get Your tickets. stories to the... are the 1,500 meter heats of the Olympics. Well, yeah, I had to get tickets for the swimming. I had to go to the swimming, and that was Why? the best I could get. Well, swimming, oh. swimming's awesome at the yeah. Olympics. Swimming. Yeah, if you're watching the finals, for sure. Oh, even the heats are pretty good still, because... Uh, you just said I, the heats stunk. No, the heats for the, like, 200s and stuff like that are good. Uh, I'm 1,500, saying too long. Yeah, way too many too turns. Long. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you got to get uh, tickets to. I went to the uh, the heats for like the two hundred meter running. The good right. part about yeah. that oh, is fantastic. the good part about that. It was just the semifinal and quarterfinal heats. I don't necessarily care. Even the the guys who make it to the finals, uh, they're just making sure they get to the finals. Yeah. It's not incredible to watch, but unlike a pool, you're just you just don't have a pool in front of you. You can see some pole vaulting, you can see some yeah, long yeah, jumping, yeah. you got everything. And those Yeah, were, I, I had to get to that to the hundred meter heats as well. And you're right. Like they, they sort of run and then they sort of pull up because they, they're not trying to, you know, smash the world record during the heats and there's a lot of other things going on. But uh, Do you want to make the Olympics more exciting? Put the horses in all the events. <laughs> Put them in the pool. Oh, horse versus the Let's go, yeah. Put them in the marathon, because I don't know if they could handle it for that long, running no, at that no, no. speed. Probably right? not. Yeah. Probably not. All right. <sighs> Let's get to the up-down report. It's the up-down report. All right, we're into the Uptown Report. Took us way longer than it should have, but we're here. Okay, first one. According to Mark Berman of the New York Post, the Knicks are eyeing Victor Oladipo amid off-season possibilities. Leon Rose, the Knicks rookie president, has Chris Paul on his trade radar as well, but putting together a package for Oladipo is expected to be a higher priority, again, according to Mark Berman and NBA officials that he's talked to. Knicks GM Scott Perry drafted Oladipo during his time with the Magic. That could be important. So up or down? on the Knicks pursuing Oladipo this offseason. Trey? Makes sense to me. Thank you to the New York Knicks for listening to this podcast as well. I really think that this is perfect for the Knicks because Oladipo, he wants to be a star. He wants that big media profile. And, you know, the Knicks need a star. They need their first star to sort of turn around the franchise and make them look a little bit more presentable to other players out there. It wouldn't be dissimilar to when they brought in Amari Stoudemire, which eventually led to bringing in Tyson Chandler, which eventually led to Carmelo Anthony. You need to have the first guy who's willing to say, this franchise is no longer a disaster. That could easily be Victor Oladipo. He uses up a lot of possessions. There are a lot of possessions to be used amongst the Knicks. He's got some flashy highlights. He's got a name. But the question to me is, would he be worth two first-round picks? Because Mm. that's what Mark Berman is suggesting, that one NBA personnel man said, Dallas's two first-round picks, 2021 and 2023. You're guessing those are probably going to be later in the draft, considering Doncic and uh, Chris Stapps are going to be together for a while, but you'd also be throwing in Randall, Dennis Smith Jr., or Frank Nilakina. That's a lot for Victor Oladipo, who will be a free agent after next season right. and who is coming off an injury this season that he didn't necessarily look great in during the regular season or in the bubble. It's a lot to give up for Victor Oladipo, but the Knicks need to turn the corner. They need to start looking like a real competitive basketball team and maybe bringing in a guy who has an all-star pedigree and who wants to be a star would help. Oh, I would do that in a second if I'm the Pacers. If you get two first-round picks and potentially Nilekina and Randall as well, I, I would do that. I, I, Oladipo is good, but 
he's coming off that injury and we've seen flashes of what he can be, but we still haven't seen it for sure. And, and that would sound like a classic Knicks move to do it for a guy with one year on his deal. Now, maybe he stays and maybe he becomes a good player, but he's not the franchise alterer that they need to, uh, to really change things around there. And uh, to give up all that for him, I think, is a lot. So I don't think the Knicks would do that uh, with that many assets giving up. I, I, I doubt it. Um, but if you're the Pacers, yes, I'd do that in a second. What do you think, Tess? Well, I think the Knicks would definitely be chasing Victor Oladipo. It sure makes sense. Um, but at the same time, if I'm the Pacers, I try and go get one good piece in return for him. I'm not worried about getting a, a two picks that are probably going to be in the 20s and maybe Julius Randle. Why not go and try and get a decent player, somebody that's established? Why are you? Why would you be dealing with the Knicks? Go get somebody that has a player that you want. I, I think that's that's what I would do if I was... If I was, do you have uh, a player Kevin in mind? Pritchard. No. Oh no. I thought you were going to say Drew Holiday or something like that. Yeah, I mean that makes sense logically for sure uh, on that team. But I, I don't know. Listen, the picks sound all right. The, the, it always sounds great to have first round picks, but as Trey said, it's coming up in this next draft. This 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 first one that would be deep in the draft. I I, I can definitely see it from a Knicks perspective, but I don't know. I'd be shopping around if I was the Pacers. It probably is a good time uh, to look into trading Victor Oladipo because even though he says, I'm a pacer, I'm a pacer man, I'm a pacer, I don't care about the rumors, this smoke has been smoking for a long time. It sure seems like there's some Frankie smoke fire there. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Uh, th- th- it seems like he'd be leaving in, t- in, in 2021, uh, yeah. to me anyways. Where there's smoke, there's an Olympic torch flame. <laughs> um, Berman did point out in that article, I thought that was interesting, I slipped it in there. He says, uh, I'm going to quote him here, what's paramount in the Knicks' potential interest is GM Scott Perry drafted Oladipo while he was with Orlando and he's still enamored with him. Once Perry falls in love, it's permanent. Just ask <laughs> former lottery picks Mario Hazonia and Alfred Payton, two recent Knicks free agent signees. So, could be something there. I mean, again, Perry got Oladipo. Would love to have him back there in New York. Um, but I- I'm with you. I think you're going to shop around Oladipo if you're the Pacers. But at the end of the day... If you're getting some young talent and picks for a guy that you think's eventually going to leave anyway, well, then you're going to try and try and make that move. I don't think they're going to get as lucky as they did getting, you know, Sabonis and Oladipo in the last type of move they really had to do this. Uh, I, I think that's a little far-fetched, but they're going to try and get as close as possible, of course, if they believe Oladipo really, truly wants it. So we'll see. Next one here, from one mark with a C to another mark with a C, according to Mark Stein of the New York Times, John Lucas has emerged as a candidate for the Houston Rockets in their coaching search. Lucas served as the Rockets player development coach on Mike D'Antoni's staff for the past four seasons. He's got strong working relationships with Harden and Westbrook. Up or down, Tass? John Lucas as a you know possibility here as the Rockets' next coach. Well, you want to talk spelling of players' names or, or reporters' names. Let's talk about John Lucas. I, I like the fact that we're just calling him John Lucas and not John Lucas the second because his son <laughs> is John Lucas the third. Sure. It's very confusing. Mm-hmm. This isn't the John Lucas who recently played in the NBA and then was a, an assistant coach most recently with the Wolves, I do believe. This is this is old John Lucas in his 60s sitting on the Rockets bench as a player development guy uh, for the last few years. I got to go up on it. I think this is sort of a personality play for the Rockets because I think he is friendly with uh, the Rockets stars uh, and you know people will say oh, this is an old guy he's been around the NBA he's in his mid 60s why not get somebody who 
hasn't coached before, who has a, a, a new mind to try and uh, try some different things. Well, we don't know if a guy's a good coach until he gets into the seat. And John Lucas has been around the NBA for his entire life. He has coached uh, a couple places in the NBA, but he's been around so long. He coached the Miami Tropics, not the Flint Tropics, the Miami Tropics of the <laughs> ABA. The guy has been around a long time. This feels to me like it's kind of like Ty Lu being hired by the Cavs in 2016. Uh, a guy that's can move over one seat, can be friends with the players, and try and just get the most out of them uh you know, emotionally, accountability-wise, and see if that works. Uh, so, yeah, I think everybody's, uh, the general consensus will be, he's a J.B. Bickerstaff. He's been around too long. He's not He's not really moving the needle. Uh, but at the same time, if the guys respect him, like the Cavs respected Ty Lue when they want, I think this could work, depending on the roster. Again, the roster is a, is a little bit more important. you got to figure that out as well. What do you think, Trey? I'm down on this. Uh, he's too old, and he's been out of the game for too long. To me, he was a bad coach when he was around. He's got a 40% winning percentage, and he hasn't coached since the 2000, since 2003 as a head coach. Not to mention, like Tass was saying, he was there in the locker room with the Rockets. If he was making a difference with the franchise, wouldn't that have been seen at some point with the Rockets? I think they should look somewhere else. I think they should probably bring in Sam Cassell. Maybe Ty Lue's the right guy, uh, but I don't see the point in bringing in uh, a retread when he's already been around the franchise for this entire time. I would like to see somebody new in there. That's true. Could be what a cheap um, owner does, though, Lee. Yep. Hey, just yeah. move that guy over. We don't want to pay somebody else. That's exactly what it sounds like to me, that it's kind of more just like uh, Tillman Fratita has been known to sort of try to save bucks <laughs> as best he can. And uh, this sound, it's exactly like that. It's like you can probably give this guy a two- or three-year contract, a fairly cheap one, and just see where things go. I think John Lucas has had a lot of success working with guys who have had uh, substance abuse issues. And I think that's a very, very uh, strong, uh, you know, personality trait that he's got. But it's a completely different thing when you are trying to come out of, basically out of coaching the wilderness to coach in the NBA again for a team that has championship expectations. So uh, I think it would be very, very tough. However, I will say if James Harden and Westbrook have a very good, strong relationship with him, right. maybe that's also what the Rockets are looking at, saying, like, at least we know these guys are going to respect the words that he says and, and, and uh, perform for him. So that's kind of what I can see, but uh, it doesn't really strike me as a, uh, as a great move for the Rockets to hire a guy who just hasn't coached for, for, for almost 20 years in the NBA. Wow, I couldn't believe that when you said that, 2003. That yeah. caught me by surprise. I know he, he coached the Spurs and the Sixers <laughs> the Clippers, and the Cavs. Think, yeah, are you close to Clippers? I don't know uh, <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. maybe not. No. Spurs, Sixers, Cavs. <laughs> ah, there you go. Feels like he's coached the Clippers at some yes, point. Yes, it know? does actually feel like <laughs> he was an assistant coach with the Clippers in 2009 yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Forget. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lee always keeps his eye on the assistant coach. <laughs> well, listen, maybe the, the head coach at the time, who I don't know who that was at 2019, <laughs> maybe he missed the game and John Lucas interim, interim oh. you know, didn't get the actual official mm. win, but he was the head coach. You're trying to hashtag well actually me without <laughs> even really even knowing. This is amazing. Ah, yeah, no, You're like, well, actually, maybe he did coach. Who was the there, Clippers but... coach in 2009, 2010? It could have been Vinny Del Negro. Let me do a little, oh, a little job here. Whoa, Mike Dunleavy and I was gonna Kim say, Hughes. Kim oh, Hughes wow. took over for the last 33 games. Oh, Kim who? <laughs> Is this <right>. Hughes? <laughs> Kim's taking over. Is this Hughes? We'll play that on Saturday's podcast. Uh, one more in the up-down report. All right, the Atlanta Hawks. 
will honor civil rights icon Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. with a new alternate jersey next season. You're seeing it here. Everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. Uh, for the first time in NBA history, King's initials, MLK, will appear on the front of a team's jersey. Hawks plan to donate profits from sales of the black, gold, and white jerseys to the Atlanta community. So that's pretty cool. But Trey, just on the look alone, um, again, as we see them here, oh, there's Herder in one of them. Up or down on the Hawks MLK jerseys? Oh, easy up. I think these look yep. great. Um, you know, the black, gold, and white, to me, the first thing I always think is OVO, but the Hawks have a history of using gold and white in their Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, jerseys. They used it a couple of years ago, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, MLK has a legacy here in Atlanta. Just up the road from my place is the MLK <laughs> Uh, historical site. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is very cool. We got a massive election coming up here, so it's very cool to see uh, the always civic-minded Hawks continuing to pay tribute to a great man. Yeah, this could be cool too. I mean, the Hawks could potentially task debut these on Martin Luther King Jr. Day on January 18th, if next season, of course, begins in time. I mean, it's possible. I know that date's been thrown around as a possible start date, so that'd be pretty cool. But what do you think of the jerseys? I think they're spectacular. I love them. Uh, I, I love the color combination, and and yeah, they're they're not OVO like because they have the the history of using them themselves for their anniversary a, a couple of years back, and they're beautiful. I, I love the simplicity of them. I thought that the the Hawks would try and sneak in another year of their Peachtree City Edition jerseys because those were so spectacular, uh, but they decided. That somebody uh, needed to put MLK on their on their uniforms for the first time in uh, in sports history. So these look phenomenal, and, and uh, uh, yeah, the messaging is is great. I, I love the stars uh, on the, the side. Yeah, uh, yeah, those are cool. They, yeah, they they look really really great, representing uh, many of the times that that Dr. King was uh, was put in prison. Uh, that's that's part of the meeting of the uh, the stars there. And uh, I, listen, I think the Hawks are just kicking butt with their jerseys top to bottom uh recently and uh i even like this is this is gonna nerd it up big time but the micro site that they have usually who gives up flying poop about a micro site but that's phenomenal every time the hawks have one of these jersey unveilings i'm going to a micro site i couldn't care <laughs> less about going to one of these sites that that companies build or brands build for whatever reason uh, but actually, it looks great. There's a message behind it uh, that that's worth uh, talking about, and the proceeds also go to uh, to the black community mm-hmm. in the Atlanta area. Uh, they're not messing around, and and it, it is it's extending everybody's what's on everybody's top of mind into next season as well. That's always the worry uh, when you know these these movements happen. Uh, and they, they sometimes they feel a little bit short-lived, but everybody uh, in the Atlanta or Hawks organization continuing it uh, into next season is, is really important, and this jersey does that. Lee, I assume you're up on these. You're going to say you're up on these because you want one sent to you, too, I'm sure. But what do you think? <laughs> yeah, of course. They're, they're, they're great jerseys, but it is more about the symbolism of what they're actually representing here, which is what I like, because there's a lot of uh, talk right now about the uh, NBA TV ratings and and those critical of the NBA and the league are saying, you know, like there's too much attention focused on political activism and movements and things like that. But I like the fact that a team here is uh, is is moving forward with these sorts of things and bringing awareness to uh, to social injustice issues and things like that. And also, again, helping out the community, uh, the particularly the black community here in Atlanta. There's a lot of homeless people. We see them a lot, and uh, and hopefully 
things like this can really uh, make a difference and improve the lives of people who are less fortunate than others. So I, I really like that, that uh, what the Atlanta Hawks are doing here. All right. Thumbs up as well. Let's hear from you guys on Twitter at No Dunks Inc. or in the YouTube comments, the stream team out there. Thumbs up or thumbs down, all three of those that I just threw at you. We're going to get to Tweet of the Night. We've got to take one more quick break. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder love a hang loose hand or a salute but man it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back ouch we all carry around different stressors big and small when we keep them bottled up it can start to affect us negatively therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash no dunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. All right, time for Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. All right, our Tweet of the Night comes from Throwback Hoops, who tweeted out some photos. They said Michael Jordan had his own McDonald's meal Way before the hype. There you see it. The McJordan wow. meal combo came with a little bank shot hoop, I guess, so you can throw <laughs> your barbecue burger through it. I don't know exactly how you're supposed to do that. But I responded. I said, yeah, maybe he did. But so did Bill Wennington. Who can forget the beef Wennington? I think this was a Chicago special. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they will do some local, uh, local signature meals as well. But obviously... This is in the news because we just had the Travis Scott meal at McDonald's. The yep. next one is the Jay Balvin meal. But my question to you guys, what would be your No Dunks signature McDonald's meal? Lee, I know you used to run a Macca's back in the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you putting on your tray? Well, uh, I don't know if you had it in America, North America. We had one called the McFeast. Yeah, yeah, it was like mustard, ketchup, onion, pickle, cheese, tomato, lettuce. Uh, But it was like a quarter pounder with tomato and lettuce. Um, Did did you guys have that one? I mean, it might have been called something different. (laughs) No idea. That was the best burger, but they got rid of it for some reason. They they got they asked. Yeah, they changed it around. So uh, that that would certainly be mine. I I would get bring that baby back because it was great. Fries don't need the super large fries. Just get a medium fries. The super large ones are a bit crazy. Smart. And uh, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound a bit like a a, 
you know, a bit. Oh, give me a, give me a water, please. Yeah, I know. I don't drink. You sure you don't want to co- covering my own kombucha? There you go. Yeah, kombucha instead of the soft drink. Just don't drink soft drink. It's it's bring your own for you. kombucha. Yeah, it's part of the whole feast of kombucha. Bring your own bottle, and I'll fill it up with kombucha off the tap that we make out the back. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. just don't drink soft drink. Don't drink soft drink. It's bad for you. Very, very mm. bad for you. So I'm sorry. I can't. I can't help it now. I can't help it you know i just can't help it because like i used to drink it all the time i used to eat mcdonald's every day when i worked there and it's like wow. i can't believe i did it uh came out yeah. stronger for it uh, uh, yeah how about you skeets you're a mcdonald's man uh i am a mcdonald's man but as you guys know i've never had a mcdonald's burger in my life that's crazy man i'm one that's of these weird crazy. people that have only 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 i'm not kidding you ever gotten the mcnuggets so my my mcskeets <laughs> deal is what it is in real life, it's 10 Chicken McNuggets here in the States. That's beautiful. One of my favorite things about moving from Canada to the States is how cheap <laughs> nuggets are down here. They're expensive in Canada, and you only get six of them. Um, they may have changed that by now, but seven years ago. Oh, coming here. Yeah, 10 pieces of McNuggets. I'm with you, Lee. I don't need a large fries. Nothing wrong with medium fries. It's perfect. Two sweet and sour sauces. And then because I'm crazy, Lee, I'll take a Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. This guy's wild, crazy. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's mine. Yeah, I've never had a burger from McDonald's. I heard they're good, though. <laughs> I've never. It's crazy. Yeah, Skeets goes to Chick-fil-A to get his burgers when he's feeling like yeah. a burger from fast food. Never had their nuggets, though. No. Uh, yeah, never. I don't know about this McFeast thing, but the, the great part about being a kid going to mcdonald's was when they had those 59 cent burgers or 69 cent cheeseburgers mm, right uh you had cheap, the option stuff yeah so you try and try and load up try and uh, i definitely went with my big man sets when he was a bit of a ta uh back in the day and he would load up seven to eight burgers that's all we had it's like six bucks for seven that's burgers stack it it's up. like they're giving them away yeah that was a great time but we'd only drink water though Sure. <laughs> so that's the McTass's seven cheeseburgers and a water? <laughs> seven <laughs> cheeseburgers and a water. Now, every time I go to McDonald's now, I, I think I'm going to go down menu and I'm not going to take a Big Mac. Uh, but I, I, I don't go often enough. I, like, I like a McChicken. I even like a filet fish occasionally, but I'm taking a Big Mac every time I go. Medium fries, sweet and sour sauce as well. Nice. Uh, and I'll get a Coke Zero because I'm not there to lose weight. <laughs> well, what's, well, I guess I should get a Coke if I'm there to gain weight, but whatever. What's yours, Trey? Uh, it's breakfast for me. It's going to be a sausage oh, wow. McMuffin with an egg McMuffin on the side, two hash browns, a thing of strawberry jam and orange juice, and a black coffee. I know what you're thinking. Is that two meals? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the McTray. Yeah. Mm. Hey, coffee's not bad at McDonald's. Uh, that's uh, that's right. It's not, yeah, it's not bad. That's yeah, not bad. Mine, mine's a black coffee, so it's gonna just taste like fire, regardless. So, okay. <laughs> literal fire. How about you, JD? You got a meal you're ordering when you go to McDonald's? Oh uh, yeah, uh, definitely. I uh, I don't go that often, so uh, when I do, I go hard. Uh, gotta, I'm a Tass, I'm with you, Big Mac Because I don't go that often, I'm not going off the menu I, I'm sticking to the classics yep. Big Mac, 10 McNuggets No fries, Lee You don't mm. need the fries oh my Get out of here, fries and, uh, the Best fries in the world, what are you talking it's just about? Empty literally calories the best fries and, no, Come on, get out of here No, no way Maybe maybe when they were using actual lard to fry them, but they but but that was twenty five years oh, ago. Geez. You sound like Lee Ellison actual is in lard. Lard. Well, I, yeah. Hey, I'm an old man, so that's what I'm saying. And <laughs> and uh, and I'm I'm drinking a shake, a chocolate shake. 
I'm saving those empty calories, it. and I'm put. I'm 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 packing them on with the chocolate shake. <laughs> you taking that down in your car? Are you going drive through? You going in? I don't like to eat or drink in my car. <laughs> That's yeah, smart. Me too. It stinks it up. Yeah, exactly. Mm. All right. Like okay. I like if it could be middle of winter in Canada, and I will drive all the McDonald's home, all the windows down. Because I don't want that stink in my car. Wow. Yeah. Genius. Yeah, you're, just, you're just smoking your car instead. I'm just kidding. Yeah, there'll be a McFlurry in your car in case you drive it like that. Ugh. All right. Wow. Here, let, me, let me throw a quick, a, a real cheesy joke for you since we talked about the Greek Olympics. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. And JD spent some time there as well. Uh, how does a Greek order a hamburger? <laughs> I know the answer, so I won't. <laughs> JD, you don't know this one? Come on, this man. One. You know this one? Cheeseburger, not cheese. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Still funny. Hey, uh, speaking, of, speaking of Olympics, I think JD's got a photo there. Have you got that, JD? <laughs> oh my god! Here we go. He's standing like this. Get your arms out. There it is. There. Whoa! That's go with, A's. Uh, wow, you uh, look identical, man. That's uh, with Penny Taylor, Australian uh, basketball star, Phoenix Mercury star. That was after uh, I watched so many uh, Australian women's basketball games out there. It was great. Now, you can see there as well, I've got my uh, Australian soccer jersey, Oakland Athletics hat for some reason, but that little thing in the front, that's where all the tickets were. That was so cool, man. Oh, just, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, kept all those stuff. <laughs> so somewhere. cool. Yeah. Yeah, were you wearing an athletics hat because it was for Australia, the A? Uh, I, I don't know. I can't really just remember. a big Ricky Henderson fan. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, you know, I don't know why I had it, but I did. Cool. All right. Well, I'm sure you'll show us on the next podcast a photo of you standing in a hat store picking this hat and wearing it. <laughs> the guy a picture of Lee eating swordfish in Greece. I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> uh, Trey, are you already photoshopping Lee into swordfish the movie? <laughs> Coming out of the water? Oh, there's a few classic scenes. Yeah, in, uh, yeah, swordfish. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Boy, Let's call it there. Let's call it there. Speaking of the beach there uh, in swordfish, uh, we'll be beach stepping it up tomorrow. Tomorrow, Thursday, so you still have a little bit of time to get your questions in. No dunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at no dunks inc. That'll be on Thursday. Then we'll be back on Saturday morning to break down game five of the NBA Finals, I think, to wrap up the bubble playoffs, but we will see. Don't forget to grab yourself some sweet No Dunks merchandise at nodunks.com. I've been told a lot of you bought those uh, new t-shirts and pins. Uh, they've already gone out or they're going out very, very shortly here. They're all packaged and ready to go. So you should start getting a lot of you like emails that they're, uh, they're on their way to you. Thank you so much to everybody that's already bought one. And if you haven't already subscribed to The Athletic, tell them that your boys sent you. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks so you can sign up for $1 a month. Unbelievable deal to get the best sports writing in the world. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, Lee's nickname back in uh, the year 2004 was Billy Bean. I don't know. Some <laughs> stupid A's joke. I got nothing. I got nothing. Embrace the day, people.
as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.